0: This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at get toasted at toasted marshmallow Adventures.com for all of your podcast production needs.
1: Hello, this is Sarah Echevarria smith author of The Boy with the Bookstore, and you're listening to Hey, What's Up, the podcast. Cue the Music
0: I am, uh, I'm so glad you're here with us today, Sarah. Um, I don't know if I can get this, the first last name. Echavari.
1: <laughs> yeah, Echavari. Yep, that's great. You did great.
0: I, I uh, started by reading your book, Faker. Now, oh, cool. Um, is this rooted in any kind of uh, autobiographical nature at all?
1: Um, so the romance, no, um, but the work environment and uh, living in Omaha, Nebraska, which is where the uh, the story takes place, um, it does. It, it's directly from my experience working uh, for a power tool distributor in Omaha, Nebraska, for several years.
0: Because I noticed but the fictionalized. Because I noticed the main character shares your shares your last name. Then
1: yes. Yes, that's actually, um, Echeverry is my mom's family name, and so it was kind of like a, a tribute to to her family, and when I wrote Faker, gosh, that was a long time ago, and that book came out in 2019, so that was like three years ago, um, I just had, my author name was Sarah Smith, um, so it was easy to keep that separate, but now I've incorporated um, Sarah Echeverry Smith as as one of my pen names, so... I think people think, oh, that must be an autobiographical romantic <laughs> telling of my relationship, and it's not at all. It's my relationship is the exact opposite <laughs> of of the hate to love, enemies to lovers relationship that takes place in that in that book.
0: Now, did you always want to write uh, like rom com style books, or um, is that what drew you into writing at the beginning?
1: Yeah, it, so I guess I've always wanted to just write. Period. I. Ever since I was a kid, and I, it took me a while to figure out what exactly like what genre I wanted to to really just to just get into. And I, I've tried every I I have tried multiple genres, and it just didn't work out. But I've always loved reading rom coms and romance. And um, when I actually when I moved to Bend, Oregon, I didn't really know anybody, and um, I had a lot of free time on my hands, and I. Was reading a lot of romance and rom-coms, and I thought, you know, why don't I just try to write a romance rom-com manuscript? And I did. That was the first thing I ever finished, which was which was faker. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how that's kind of how I got started.
0: Because it kind of feels like an adult version of like a Hallmark movie in a book. Yeah, is that how you (laughs) is that how you describe it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a good that's a good way of describing it. Um, I sometimes I say like sexy rom-com because I think. Rom-com implies a lot of like, you know, the meet cute, the the banter, all the fun, flirty elements, and then sexy denotes that like, well, there's going to be some steam in this. So be scared. Oh,
0: prepared. and there's definitely some steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's definitely some yeah. steams and some nuts and some bolts. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm definitely probably not the target audience for this, um, but it, it's definitely a fun read. Um, you mentioned some pen names. Do you do different genres of writing under those pen names or is it still... All under the like the romance umbrella,
1: yeah. So, kind of both actually. So, I do, I'm Sarah Smith, Sarah Echevarria Smith is my um, those are my romance rom com pen names because um, writing for different publishers, uh, contract stipulations, um, you can't publish multiple books with multiple um, publishers at the same time under the same name because that's considered like competing with yourself and the publisher so you have to have different names in order to do that. Um, I also I, I write with my really good friend um, Sky McDonald. She's also a romance rom-com author and we write together as Sarah Skye. Um, mm-hmm. We write sexy romances and I also write women's fiction as uh, Sarah Echivari, which is not sexy or really romantic <laughs> it's kind of sad actually the the tone of that genre it's kind of sad
0: what made you decide to do different pen names was it that you just had so many different ideas and you wanted them out there and and you knew you couldn't do it all at one time or what was kind of the process behind behind all of that
1: yeah that was pretty much it so i i mean i'm i, I love writing and i want to put out as much content i, I want to put out as many books as I can as long as I enjoy this, and just the way that the traditional publishing um, industry is structured, it's really hard to do that um, if you're not, you know, really, really, a really famous author, a really famous person. So you tend to have to do like multiple contracts with multiple publishers, and they don't want you competing with with yourself in that way. So to have um, multiple pen names kind of helps me, enables me to do that without too much trouble
0: and I've, I've I've spoken to some authors in the past is that i guess I've never heard that before is that kind of a norm these days in the publishing world or is it kind of a a unique situation that you find yourself in
1: i guess i've met i've met people who who do both who are able to write um under a single pen name those people tend to or those authors tend to be pretty big time mm-hmm. big time names with huge backings from their publishers i'm i don't know i don't know if <laughs> I don't know if it's okay to say this, but like, I I consider myself like a middle of the road person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not, you know, I, I have some following and I'm proud of what I have. I'm proud of what I established, but it's also, I think really important to have an awareness about who you are right. realistically. And I know that I'm not, you know, I know I'm not Danielle Steele. So not, not yet. Names. <laughs> not yet, right,
0: not, not yet, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle Steele didn't think she was Danielle Steele at the very beginning either.
1: That's true. That's very
0: true. I think I probably feel the same way about my comedy. I think Chris, my producer, probably feel the same way. Very middle of the road. <laughs> right. I was right, I was yeah. actually surprised to hear you use some language during your set. I wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> so that was great. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the only author that I really know that does well, I guess Stephen King does some under a pen name. Um but but uh Nora Roberts as JD Robb <laughs> I think is the one a lot of people think of. You know, because Nora Roberts is huge in the romance world, but then the J.D. Robb novels are a lot of, you know, crime fiction, futuristic crime fiction, which is against the norm. But it's just, I think she said she did it because it's such a different genre, where most of yours still kind of follow into that, that, that romance nature. Um, right. Do you, because you said competing against yourself, do you see some of your books going head to head through different publishers when they get released around the same um- time? <laughs>
1: no not yet thankfully uh just the way that things are staggered um i've like i've never had releases that are close to each other they're always like a book comes out and then a few months later another book will come out so like that window of competition is pretty like it's pretty narrow and as long as i'm not as as long as i'm avoiding that i think i'm good it's just i guess i'm just the type of person like i am i can be very impatient and i i feel like i have a lot of stories to tell i have a kind of a wild imagination and I, i just want to put as much content into the world as i can as long as i have the energy to write
0: books how many how many novels do you think you're releasing in a in a year if you had to if you had to because like you said Faker, your fake your first book came out in 2019 you said you've been writing it for a long time has your process sped up since then or is it still kind of a a couple years per book being released but you're consistently writing if that if that makes sense
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Faker came out in 2019. And then um, 2020, I think I had two releases. Last year, I had three, I think. This year, I'll have three, I think, again. Um, And I, for me, um, Faker probably took the longest for me to write. And that took about five months for me to just crank out that first draft. Because I, I mean, I had a, a whole other full time job that I was working that was taking up most of my time. So I was only writing in my spare time or like nights and weekends, whenever I could just find the time. Um, and now I'm writing books just strictly. That's what I'm doing. So, um, now I'm to the point where I feel, I feel like I could confidently crank out a first draft in like a month. It's not going to be great. It's not going to be publishable, but it'll be done and I can like edit and revise it. So, um, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm at the point where I'm putting out multiple books a year, but I mean, there are people who put out like a book a month and they're, they're, incredible. I don't, oh, wow. I don't even know how how to do that
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's that I was a I was a creative writing major in college and I I can't even fathom doing a, a manuscript a month. That just hurts my brain a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would destroy me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see
0: I can see like I was talking to another author about the Patterson method, you know, where he kind of creates the outline and has somebody mm-hmm. else flesh it out. That I could I could do all day every day create create outlines, but to actually write beginning to end in a month is 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 nuts.
1: Yeah, it's very, and I mean, every writer is different. Um, every every writer has a different process and a different method, and what works for one person is would never work for the other. And so it's just it's just kind of finding what works for you uh, without burning yourself out completely. Because mm-hmm. I think we could all work at a fast pace, but how how maintainable is that? Probably right. not <laughs> not long term.
0: Now let's take a step step back. You said you uh, you have been writing for about uh, twenty nineteen, so five or six years. It was when your first book was published has writing always been something you you dreamt of doing or what was kind of the process to get into that first novel
1: yeah so yeah i mean ever since i was a kid i i've always loved reading and i've always loved writing that creative outlet was always just it just came really natural to me um and i i mean i remember being a kid writing just random little stories and i i've always really liked english classes and journalism classes and that just always always just had my interest and um i i knew like ever since i was a teenager i always wanted to write a book but i just don't think i had the life experience to do it even though i mean plenty of people of all ages write books it's something that almost everybody can do as long as you're obviously literate um but i tr i started to get serious about it and like in my late 20s, I think, and it, but it was really, it was just really hard to be able to make the time and finish a manuscript because, I mean, most of us have jobs and other priorities. We can't just like take time off to write, to write books and see if they get published. So for me, it's its kind of, I guess, been like a lifelong pursuit that I, that I just got serious about in the last five to 10 years, I guess.
0: And what was the process when you, when, you had that, when you had Faker done? Did you seek out a literary agent? Did you try self-publishing first? What was kind of that process for that, that first novel?
1: So for Faker, I, I, yeah, I did the traditional publishing route. I, I finished my manuscript and then I went through the whole querying process to, like you said, get a literary agent. And um, that took, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Like I feel like I started querying Baker to agents at the end of 2017, and by um, the spring of 2018, I had I had landed uh, my agent, Sarah Younger. She's with the Nancy Yost Literary Agency in New York City, and um, and I've been with her ever since. So it took it took a while, but that's the, I mean, but I've known people who it takes even longer, I mean, and I've known people who you know the first time they query, they get an agent. It's just a total crapshoot. Yeah, that's They're great. So, Yeah,
0: it's crazy. Once once you had Faker out, was it easy for you to get that that? Did your agent get you the other publishing deals under the pen names, or did you have to go through somebody different for those?
1: So yeah, I um, so for uh, Sarah Smith, Sarah Echevarri Smith, I I write with her with my or I I'm repped with her, and she's the one who has gotten me all of those contracts with Sarah Sky. Uh, the books that I do with my writing partner, Sky McDonald, we um, self-publish
0: those. Gotcha, them. So okay. that's just,
1: yeah, 100% on our own. Um, but yeah, my, my agent was able to get me a two-book deal with Berkeley Penguin Random House, which is how I published Faker, and then the following book, Simmer Down, and then um, subsequent contracts for more um, romance books with them. And then um, she helped me get my women's fiction, contract with Amazon Lake Union, which is the the totally different genre. So, so the bulk of the books that I've been writing have been through um, contracts that my agent has gotten me.
0: Do you like one route better than the other now that you're doing kind of the self-publishing? Do you like that kind of, some people say more creative freedom, but then you don't always have that publishing house that has, I would assume the editors and everybody going through with the fine comb reading the manuscripts all the time and the uh the the marketing and the promotions that you get with the big publishing house
1: yeah yeah you're exactly right so i i love that's exactly what i love about indie publishing with my my good friend and my writing partner like we get to do whatever we want like nobody the only people that say no to us are ourselves and Mm -hmm. it's just as as much as we want to do as hard as we want to work um and it's great we can do whatever we want but that everything falls on all's on us like all right. the marketing, all of the all of the back end work that nobody likes doing, all of the editing, the cover, um formatting, which I hate that stuff, like formatting <laughs> and you know, something's off and that just ruins the whole page. You're like, ah oh, damn it. But um so I do I do like that part of Tradpub or traditional publishing. Um that, that's all taken care of you because they have the the publisher and the editors and everybody who works on their staff. That's all taken care of and they support you in that way. But you don't have the same kind of control that you do right. when you're self-publishing. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it both have their ups and downs. It's just what you, what you like to do better. And some people like to do both like, like me, cause they see value in both.
0: Now, the one thing, cause I keep staring behind your, I guess your left shoulder to the, the yeah. boy in the bookstore, your, 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 your book art yeah. does kind of follow similar themes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have one person doing that for every, uh, every book you do? Um, is it a contract you have or, or is it just kind of an idea you give them? Are you in that process at all on on book design?
1: Yeah, so I, I love that you mentioned that because I I'm so lucky that with all of my Berkeley books, um, which is the boy with the bookstore, faker, all of those books, um, I've been fortunate to have the same designer, Vicky Chu. She's amazing. She's done all of my covers for my Berkeley Penguin Random House books. And she's she's incredible. And I, I am part of the process. Like I, they, what happens is my editor um, always asks me, you know, what, what kind of idea I have, what color scheme, what the characters look like, so they can be depicted accurately on the cover. And then all of that is given to um, the designer, Vicki Chu, and then she just works her magic because she's a genius. And I, I'm just like, I'm not a creative person. <laughs> I'm not an artistic person in that way. So I, all I can really do is like, okay, well, these are what the characters look like. I like kind of this idea, this is what they do. And then every single time she knocks it out of the park. And I, I'm just really lucky because there are instances where other authors I know just have not liked their covers. Right. There's nothing they can do about it because it's the publisher's call at the end of the day.
0: Right. It's following the same theme of, of your, your book designs. Um, and I know Stephen King does it. I know Harlan Coben does it. I, I'm naming a lot of probably just well, <laughs> well-known authors that everybody knows. Do you ever foresee or have you had any of your characters peppered into other of your novels yet?
1: Um, in- yes, I have. Yeah, I've done that um, a couple times. I did that. Uh, so in, in Simmer Down, um, Tate and Emmy, which are the characters from Baker, they make an appearance. They're not like a major... Plotline or anything—it's just the main character in *Super Down* sees them doing something in that book, um, and I've—I've I've done that with a character in um, my self-published books with um, my writing partner, Sam McDonald. Um,
0: so, do you really? Um, do you foresee yourself continuing to kind of create, I guess, the 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 Smith verse and incorporating your characters more into your novels as kind of? secondary characters or do you kind of like creating different uh different stories for each of your novels and not relying on on past characters
1: yeah I guess I so I'm somebody who definitely started out as like a standalone romance writer even though romance series are huge um in the book world um I guess I I would never say never like I always like including cameos from my past characters and my current stories just because I think they're fun but only if they feel right. I'm just just very much somebody who just goes with what, um, what my inspiration for that story tells me to do.
0: And when you start the the writing process, is it, is it kind of, um, do you start with plot? Do you start with like a character in your head? Is it a line? It's always interesting to me what kind of you start with when you start that, that next novel.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's always kind of, um, it's always just kind of like a random idea. It's um sometimes it is a character but typically it's just especially with uh romance I definitely have like tropes that I like the most um so it's just kind of like me thinking like okay so this trope what if you know this were to happen or what if I took this twist on it and it just kind of and if that idea kind of sticks with me and I start like making little notes about it um that's when I know like okay I probably have something that I could at least sit down and try to write a few scenes to see how it goes and if Mm -hmm if I end up liking it, then yeah, that's typically how a full manuscript comes out for me.
0: Yeah. The more I talk to more authors, I think every, all the teachers are teaching us wrong. They always tell you to start with plot. You get, (laughs) you get your outline ready, but every single author I've talked to has always been either some sort of quote, some sort of character. It's never, it's never plot, excuse me, it's never plot first. So that's, that's interesting you're you're the third now that's that said that so uh yeah
1: it's um i mean i there's i know why they tell you to do that like it's more structured that way and that is how you get paid as a writer like turning in outlines and
0: right showing
1: that you can write a full full character and story arc but it's hard when you're creative you just go with what inspires you
0: for sure now reading reading faker um the next obvious question is do you plan on ever turning these into movies or or uh miniseries or T V shows? Is that something you've you thought about for the future of your novels?
1: I mean, yeah, I yeah, I'm just like every other author I think who wants their work to be turned into some sort of visual media representation of their story, whether that's a movie or a series. I mean, I'm all about that as long as um the The people who are in charge of creating that are like true to the material and the characters, all that stuff. It's just, it's really, um, it's, from what I understand, it's extremely hard to get your work converted into something like a movie or a TV show. You kind of just have to like put your work out there. And unless you personally know somebody in that industry, just kind of wait around and hope somebody reads your work and likes it enough to turn it into a movie or a series. So, I mean, I'm definitely... 100% supportive of that I just don't have any connections to yeah. anybody in like show business who would who can do that right now
0: and and I think you saw I was in Texas last week part of the reason mm-hmm. I still don't fully have my uh, my voice back um, uh one of the panels I was on was about turning uh i guess a couple of years ago they did the flip side they were talking to the authors mm-hmm. whose p- projects have been turned into uh, tv shows and talking to them this year it was the flip side I was talking to the showrunners of those Mm -hmm. shows and it seems like the consensus is the authors usually are pretty okay with giving because they know things have to change right you know everything you write on the page won't always translate well into the visual medium right um are you willing are you okay seeing maybe changes to those because you know it's it's your baby right um and i don't know if you listen to the chris Holm episode he knows he's he's one of his works is turning into a mini series and he said i'm excited to see what's changing in it because it's something that they see in my work that's that's different than what i saw um but then you have other authors that really sometimes end up hating it um are you yeah. what what's kind of your process if if it ever does get to that point
1: so yeah that's a really good question i i'm definitely somebody who would be so excited to see something like that happen. Um, The old, the one, the one thing that I feel like is a non-negotiable for me is um, the main character would have to still be Filipino American because that's such an integral part of the story and who I am as an author and the characters that I write. So I I wouldn't want anything to be like whitewashed in that way. But other than that, I'm a pretty open person. (laughs) And I, I mean, I, I would totally agree. I think it, Books are a completely different medium than um, series and movies, and you can't completely just transfer what you write on a page to a screen. There has to be some sort of adaptation and tweaking. I totally get that. Um, But that's part of the fun of seeing an adaptation, I think. I think it's fun to see the changes, to see how another person interprets your work. That would be really exciting. Um, To see how your characters and your story comes to life in a completely different way, I think that would be... That would be a really exciting thing to see someday. So hopefully it happens. But fingers who crossed. Knows? Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah.
0: Would you do you think yourself more suited for for a film or for television? You know, it's sometimes harder to tell a full novel in the span of two and a half hours.
1: Yeah, that, that is that's very true. I um I mean I honestly think I what I write are very very simple, straightforward, fun, sexy rom coms. And I think I'm definitely somebody who loves that format film-wise like i mean that's usually like an hour and a half run time Mm -hmm. um you know meet cute banter first kiss complicated you know the story arc is very well defined and very easy to hit those plot points in that amount of time so i think for me i i think a movie would be fun but it would be really cool to see a series too yeah my wildest dreams. <laughs> the the
0: the novels are they're good escapism, especially in in the times that we're we're in these days. Are yeah. you are you Filipino American yourself?
1: I am. Yeah. my my mom she was uh, Filipino. Uh, that's her her name. Echevarria is Filipino. Um, and then I'm uh, yeah. My my dad is Caucasian American. So that's my my same background. Yeah.
0: So the 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 main question then is, can you make good lumpia or Poncho?
1: <laughs> okay. I I mean, I think I make pretty decent lumpia, okay. but I will say that my, my mom made really good lumpia and my aunties, they make incredible lumpia. And like, I think it's, again, I think it's good to be realistic about what your abilities are. <laughs> and I can make, I can make good lumpia for what, you know, I live in Bend, Oregon. Nobody, has like <laughs> a ton of great Filipino food here. So you get what you get. But like when I visit my mom's family, they're just blowing me out of the water with the quality of their food. It's so good.
0: What, what about Ponset?
1: Um, again, I can make I can make a good, I can make a decent set, but my mom's family, everybody okay. makes better ponsets than I do. So I don't dare ever try to make it for them. They always make a ton every time we have a gathering. So I'm good.
0: One of my coworkers made, a, I, when I found out she was Filipino, uh, I made her make me, her mom make me some lumpia. It was like, uh-huh. it was like this long. It was the longest <laughs> lumpia I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's. Lumpia is very dependent on the individual family, the recipe, the person. I've seen them really small. I've seen them, like you said, huge, and they're all. I mean, they're all delicious.
0: Oh, it I mean, even I, my neighbor growing up, my best friend, um, is Filipino, so mm-hmm. we'd have Filipino food all the time. My sister's wedding when we went home, um, his mom just brought all this Filipino food over to us. It's the best.
1: Uh, it it so is. It's the best, most delicious. I mean, I love all food,
0: obviously. Oh, but. right. Now, now being in Ben, I would. No, knowing you're Filipino, I, I had um, Amanda Aguilar, who is a Filipino-American um, news reporter. Um, have you seen a lot of a rise of, of Asian-American hate and bend, or has it been pretty pretty good where you're at in the country?
1: So where I am, it's very isolated. And um, I, admittedly, during the pandemic, and I know we're still technically in it right now, but like the the deep pandemic, like 2020, most of last year, Um, I was very isolated, so I stayed away from people. I just didn't want to get sick, and I was being probably overly cautious. So I wasn't out a lot. So I I personally wasn't seeing a whole lot here in Bend, but that doesn't mean, I mean, clearly it exists. It happens, and it's terrible, and it's gross to see how that kind of, you know, how that violence and that sentiment increased. And it's still now. Yeah. still you know you're now
0: i'm in a, in a neighboring state to you over in idaho mm-hmm. and 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 right. even in a liberal city like boise you still
1: mm-hmm.
0: you, you see it a lot which is which is heartbreaking
1: yeah it really is and even um it's even some sometimes people just count like violent acts as like well that's anti-asian but they don't count like you know language that's offensive mm-hmm. or like passing comments that are that are just that should be taken just as seriously you know so that and that is rampant here just like in any other place, sadly.
0: And is that why you, you, you try to create characters representing the culture in your novels?
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly, that's a huge reason why. I mean, I, I think it's important to write your experience. I mean, what you feel comfortable with, obviously. And I am Filipino-American. That's who I am. Um, and from a young age, I've been a really avid reader and I have never, I don't think I ever read a book in the romance rom-com genre where there was a Filipino-American character. And so to be able to write um, those types of characters into the genre, that means so much to me, means a lot to be able to do that. And I think it's important for readers to know that people from all sorts of diverse backgrounds exist and we deserve to have our stories told. We deserve to have happily ever afters. We deserve to see ourselves represented on screen and in the entertainment that we consume, it's just, I, and I know I'm, ju- I'm just one person. I'm, it's just me writing my books and I don't make a huge difference, but it does mean a lot when I, when I get a message from a reader saying like, hey, I'm Filipino too. And it was so cool to see a book in the romance rom-com genre like yours where the character looked like me and her family was like me and ate the same food as me. And that means everything because for a really long time, it wasn't available.
0: It all starts with one person telling one other person and it, it, it creates that chain reaction. I mean, look at um, Everything Ever All at Once, that movie yeah. that just came out. I mean, yeah. it did so much for the Asian-American community and it's still like in the top 10 in the box office like yeah. eight weeks later. I mean, it, it, it shows that these stories need to be told as crazy of a movie as that was.
1: No, it's it's very exciting to see um, to see stories like that being given the attention and the, and the money that deserve right and we still have a long way to go obviously it's not like oh everything's fine now it's clearly not it's just you just see it more often than you used to which is good
0: now before we get into the pop quiz which is coming up soon the (laughs) the thing i've been seeing on your instagram lately is something i wasn't aware of there's a i guess a tiktok trend that was going on lately about um about what ebooks being returned
1: Yeah, so there was, uh, and I'm not on TikTok, so I didn't know this until it started affecting my books, I guess. But um, there's a TikTok trend that encourages people to go on Amazon and buy ebooks, read them, and then return them, which is essentially screwing over the author Mm -hmm. because Amazon, you lose money, obviously, when you do that. And if that happens too many times with your books, Amazon will penalize you. And sometimes you end up, as the author, owing money to the book or to them. Um, because people are doing that so many times, they're buying and returning your book.
0: So why why would people do that though? I mean, it just it makes no sense to me. Like,
1: yeah, I don't. I, I it makes no sense to me. I would never do that. I mean, obviously there are instances where like you accidentally bought something, so of course return it. You know, everybody does that. But to deliberately buy something, consume it, and then return it to get your money back, I think is equivalent to stealing. I think people just want just wanted to read a free book.
0: And I get that,
1: but that's why, you know, that's why libraries exist. There are apps that enable you to do that. Um, There's Kindle Unlimited on on Amazon where you can read books for free. Um, It's just really really upsetting and sad to me that people are trying to take advantage of authors when it's already really hard to establish yourself as an author in this day and age. You don't make... I think some people think like, oh, authors like Stephen King or, you know, Mm. J.K. Rowling, we make so much money. It's like that's not the vast the vast majority of us are just trying to make a living wage, doing what we love and when you do something like that when you buy all of our books and then return them it costs us money and it takes away from our livelihood i just i just wish people will stop doing that
0: now does amazon know about this this trend going on have they done anything to kind of help the authors on on this side of things
1: so i know that um I think I'm I'm sure that they're aware, because there are plenty of authors who have gone to Amazon um, explaining this problem. And I think the last time that I looked into this, which was a few weeks ago, but um, I think it is a little bit harder now to return an ebook. But that still doesn't alleviate the problem. And I know it's not an easy problem to fix. Everyone gets that it just as an author, it can feel really, it can feel really discouraging when you feel like, You're being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and the platform that you're putting your work on isn't supporting you in a helpful way, even though, you know, it's complicated. It's just, it's just really demoralizing. So really the root of it, the root of it is people just buying and returning books. So if they could just stop doing that, that would help a lot. I mean, there's, there's
0: been, there's been dozens of books I've bought in in my lifetime that I haven't loved, but I I don't go back to Barnes and Noble or, (laughs) or a bookstore and return the book. Right. I'll, right. Exactly. I'll donate it. I'll, I'll give it to a secondhand bookstore, so the right person finds that book. So it seems just to me, just so offensive, and the fact that when I kept seeing your your Instagram, Instagram stories, it it just blew my mind that things like that are happening.
1: Yeah. No. It was the same thing for me too. I because again, it's not something that I would ever do. I wouldn't even think to do that, and I don't think I don't think most people do this. It's just a very um, it's just a contingent of of readers who think that it's okay to do that. But I mean, it's the same. Principal, like if you go to a movie and you don't like the movie you don't ask to have your money back you know like you don't people just or if you show up at the doctor's office and refuse to pay like nobody would ever do that it's the right. same it's the same thing here like this is we're, we're providing a service we're providing goods and we deserve to be paid for them you know
0: I mean it's the same generation that ate Tide Pods though so I don't know if, <laughs> if they're really the smartest the smartest <laughs> in the drawer, or whatever. I just <laughs> you know that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, as great as social media can be and TikTok and all this stuff, I mean, it just I, I there's a, there's that was one of the few times in my in my life recently where I'm looking at somebody and there's like knowing how hard it is for authors to get something published that mm-hmm. just was like what what are you doing? Yeah, so exactly. St- so stop it. Stop, yeah. stop it, people. <laughs> um. So every every episode we do a pop quiz. It's five rapid-fire questions. Um, so far, most—I think we've had one person that didn't pass. So, it oh, okay. Pressure's on. Okay. So basically, <laughs> if you get a question wrong, I in turn become the author of the boy with the bookstore. So <laughs> we'll talk to your publisher, get everything changed. So well, no, so no pressure. Awesome. <laughs> we don't have our we don't have our. Buzzer, I don't have do sound it? effects in this one yet. This, this <laughs> Studio. So uh. Um, make them with your mouth. Okay, <laughs> I'll
1: get them bloated up into uh, the qu- board.
0: <laughs> question number one: Who was the author that inspired you the most as a child to to become an author as you grew up?
1: Oh gosh, Gemma Burgess. She's so she's another. Um, so she's a screenwriter now, but she used to write British contemporary romances, and they're so good. Love her. Sorry, I don't. Is that too long winded nope, for a nope. quiz? Okay.
0: <laughs> 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 pew, pew. pew, pew. <clears> okay. <throat> Ooh. All right. So you're one for one. Uh, Question number two. Is there a novel that you've read in the last five years that you wish you had written and why?
1: Oh, yeah. The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. If I could write, could have written any novel that that came out in 2016. And that kind of, I think, spurred on a little romance rom-com renaissance in the book world. And that one of my favorites, totally that book.
0: Pew, 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 pew. All that right. is correct. And by the way, we do have a team of independent fact checkers checking all this, so just just know that. Professionals. Okay. Uh, question number three. If you could cast, uh, let's go with the boy with the bookstore. If you could cast for that movie coming out, to who would you cast as the characters in that novel?
1: Oh, okay. So for the female main character, her name's Joelle, I would cast Vanessa Hudgens. I think oh. she's great love her and then for the male main character i would probably cast so there's this instagram model who i really like i don't know if anyone <laughs> knows him his name's benjamin kunemann and he's a german model his look is like dead on the male main character max i don't know if he's an actor but i don't even care i would <laughs> want him
0: to do it <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Got a little, little tweak on it <laughs> all right so question number four if you could have any of your characters meet any other character from another novel, who would it be and how would that interaction be? What would happen?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So I would have Tate from Faker meet Josh from the hating game because they're both very much similar, like brooding, um, no nonsense, uh, quiet guys who are very lethal in their personalities, but, if if you are the woman that they love, they'll, they'll go to battle for you forever. And I think it would be fun to see those two see their very brief conversation.
0: <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> All right, final question. No pressure. <laughs> what advice would you give to any aspiring writers um, that want to get into the rom com world?
1: Um. Honestly, write a lot, but also read read a lot, read a lot of rom-com romance books, and also watch a lot of romance rom-com movies. It's just always good to have that constant stream of inspiration and to see what is trending and what is doing well in the market. In addition to whatever your creativity is telling you to, to write.
0: All right. So you're five for five bonus question though. Out of the, like the legendary, like uh, you have Nora Roberts, Danielle Steele, Debbie Maycomer, who is your least favorite romance author and why? Uh,
1: okay, so he's not even like a legit romance author, but I feel like he gets lumped into romance because people don't understand what romance is. Uh, Nicholas Sparks. I hate <laughs> that guy. He is the worst and he's also like really racist and classist and just not a good person. So I hate that guy.
0: That you, know, guy. Yeah. you know what's funny is he got like, oh God, this is good. At people. I'm going to get letters. I'm going to get letters for this. <laughs> Dude that writes all these romance novels that every girl loves from, from all time couldn't even save his own marriage.
1: I know he got divorced. <laughs> like, dude, you don't, you don't get to write any more <laughs> love stories. Just go sit in your corner and leave everybody alone. Yeah, totally. I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking that.
0: Okay. <laughs> and you're, you're originally from the Midwest, correct? Did you guys have, did you have Hastings in the Midwest, this, the, the retail store?
1: Um, yes yeah the uh yeah the video the video
0: books and so i worked at hastings for years and i took all the nicholas sparks novels and took a photo because every one of those movie posters on the novels was like the same pose it was the most basic bs that i've that i've ever seen
1: it, it really was. And I i mean, you know, whatever, like what you like, consume whatever entertainment you want to consume. I'm not going to judge anybody for that. Right. But it just kind of it bothered me that he was like the face of romance when he was a crappy person and didn't even write <laughs> correctly. So.
0: And like you said, there's yeah. definitely like your, your, your novels definitely follow, you know, the tropes that you like, but it's. It's written in such a well, like people can relate to it. People, people understand it. And it's a sense of escapism and, and that, like that good feeling rom-com that, that you grew up with, like in the nineties and in the early two thousands with, with a little bit of steam, with a little bit of steam right. in there.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Cause I'm definitely not the target audience, but would you say people of all genders, races could, could enjoy your work?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I maybe I'm biased, but I definitely think that everybody, anybody, anyone who loves to read a fun escapist story, I think is the perfect reader for this book. It's not and I know like, you know, a lot of guys aren't really taught to read romance or rom-com, but they're really fun. Give them a chance. They're they're great.
0: Cuz when I picked up your book originally, I was like, "Hmm, cuz I was <laughs> I was traveling. I was like, this doesn't seem like my <laughs> my standard and i was like but i haven't read a rom-com in a while we'll try it and right. i was very pleasantly surprised and i'm glad because oh. a lot of times you don't take that risk you know you read you know i'm i'm a more of a fan of 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 the pulpy you know james mm-hmm. patterson right. this stuff you can read because it i'm usually on the go a lot so i don't yeah. want something something dense that i really have to focus on which right. those those books are great on their own mm mm-hmm. But if I need something that I really need to focus on, I'll get a good book. But I I, I tend to read Patterson. Uh, 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 why am I drawing a blank on their names? <laughs> you know who I'm thinking of. Everybody yeah. knows bestsellers. Uh, but I picked yours up, and I was like, this is this is really fun.
1: <laughs> well, I'm honored that you gave me a chance. That's very flattering. Thank you. <laughs>
0: and my mom, my mom probably would love it too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because
0: I read this, and I was like, this seems like one of the 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 Hallmark movies my mom watches.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: With a little more steam.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you have kind of in the pipeline um, coming up in the next few months? Uh, it is the height of summer. You're in Bend, Oregon. Are you planning on doing any book tours for the boy with the bookstore or anything virtual that people can can attend this summer?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I don't have anything planned this far out because it is still because it um the boy with the bookstore comes out in September. So that's technically end of summer. So oh, so that's just off. that's
0: just that's a cheat back. Is that an ARC?
1: Yes, yep. That's an ARC from my, okay. my publisher in early an early ARC galley. Um but yeah, I'll have um events. I, I wanna do a lot of um virtual events because I feel like even now, still that's the most accessible way to promote a book so that everybody can can be part of it because, I mean, Bend is great, but we're in the middle of nowhere and it's not easy to get, (laughs) to get here. So it's hard to have in-person events and expect anybody to show up sadly. So, but, um, any events that I have, I always, um, put them on my, on my Instagram and Twitter. So if you follow me, um, you can look for it on there. I'm at author Sarah
0: I felt bad thinking I missed one of your novels. I'm glad to know that's that's an ARC because I'm looking the whole time. Yeah. I've, been, I've been looking at like what? How did I miss that? How did I miss? No, any no, book? no,
1: no. You're good. That's not even out yet. That's okay. Yeah, that's just for my publisher. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, is the do you know is the bookstore in Sun River still open or is that closed years ago? There's a bookstore oh. there that was that, that I went to like 14 years ago.
1: You know what? I feel like it was. There was a books. I don't remember the name, but there was a bookstore the last time I was there. But the last time I even just went to Sun River was like three years ago, which is sad because...
0: It's I right mean, down the road.
1: It's right down the road. But like, you know, with the way everything was, people weren't really encouraged to go and do
0: stuff. True. Yep. So, you know. And you guys um, had American know. Idol auditions in Sun River a couple of years <laughs> right? ago? I mean,
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal.
0: The only author I know from your area, and she's... I would say maybe adjacent to your genre. Mm-hmm. Her name's Jane Kirkpatrick. I don't know if you know who she is. Mm-hmm. She does uh, historical romance fiction. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe I feel like we must have been like in an email chain together.
0: She's she's probably pushing eighty now or seventy. Is she
1: really? She's older. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, wow. loveliest person. I went to when I was in Sunriver one year at an hour to kill. Yeah. And I was this was like fourteen. Normally, dumb dumb. She was signing books. <laughs> she was signing books, and I bought one. And again, definitely not the genre I read. Right. It was like 1700s Bend, Oregon. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and she would email me every now and then, th- seeing if I read it. And then she was in Spokane, where I was from, signing another book.
1: Aww. S- still
0: not the right genre for me. But again, right. they're, they're fun reads. And she was like, this, if you ever meet her, because I know she's, I don't think she's in Bend, but she's surrounding. Mm-hmm. Sweetest, sweetest woman.
1: Oh, that's really good to know. Cause I feel like it's hard to meet um, authors sometimes we're we're very um, reclusive. We don't really go out a whole lot. Right.
0: Now I always turn the show over to the guest uh, at the end to ask me a few questions. Hopefully as an author, you have some, <laughs> some good ones. So take it away.
1: Okay. Yes, I do have them and they're extremely random. I hope that that's okay. Oh, even, <laughs> even better. Okay. Who is your celebrity crush?
0: Oh, just one. Do I have to do one or could I do?
1: Um. You can do however many you. You can do more than one. You can do more than
0: one. So it used to be the three Emmas. It was Emma Watson, Stone, and Roberts in that order, and then Emma <laughs> Roberts came out being a little crazy. <laughs> so still probably Emma Watson, Emma Stone, and then Taylor Swift.
1: Oh, good one. Good one. Cool. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. because
0: oh, say- Emma Watson. Like I mean, who wouldn't want to marry Hermione Granger? Like it's just. Oh. It's one of those things. Where you're like, oh yeah, hello. And I tell people the only reason we're not married is I'm not in England. Because if I was in England, she'd be like, oh, Dad, you want to go get some? You want to go get some tea and crumpets? <laughs> I have a very yeah. bad British accent. It's it's horrible. It's okay. I
1: think um, if you if you lean into it, it yeah. makes it even better. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The second question I had: What is your death row meal?
0: Oh, um, death row meal. Yeah. Oh, it's it's got to be teriyaki chicken. Um, probably teriyaki chicken, um, or mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. But why? Why am I on death row? I oh, guess that's a question. No reason. You. <laughs> okay.
1: You were wrongfully uh, convicted. No, I'm joking. Um, it's well, just like a a fun question to ask people. Like, what's their what their all time favorite meal would be if they could only eat one thing before they
0: died because because being brown in idaho i could be on a death <laughs> row. <river. laughs>
1: okay yeah okay sorry did not factor that into
0: the equation no, i'm just i'm just kidding but yeah teri- ter- teriyaki chicken like a good because i'm from seattle growing up a good like seattle teriyaki mm-hmm. chicken would probably be it yeah and no then, teriyaki
1: chicken <laughs> is amazing it's so good
0: and then just fry me up fry me up sure. <laughs> Te- take me to that electric chamber we're good
1: uh okay so next question what is your go to karaoke
0: song Ooh so I actually did karaoke when I was in Texas last week um oh. it's it's Uptown Funk Bruno Mars and
1: That's all I love this song. also
0: my karaoke song is Billionaire by Oh that's a good <laughs> Bruno one Mar- See I don't have any range This partly is because of doing Uptown Funk the other night I'm, I'm telling you <laughs> I did it at um Watson's here in Boise and mm-hmm. I I yeah I strained my vocal cords a little bit Oh, wow. I go hard. I go really yeah. hard.
1: No, I, I love people who go hard at karaoke because it's such a, um, I think people get kind of shy and like, oh, I'm not any good. It's like, who cares? It's supposed to be fun. Just-
0: but I did it in front of TV stars. So there's a couple of <gasps> people there. Oh. There was Adrian Palicki from Friday Night Lights, um, this girl from the new Jason Kadam show, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of people from like Variety and the Hollywood Reporter. So I, I probably shouldn't have gone. And I don't drink, so I should not have gone that hard. <laughs>
1: no i think um honestly you probably made an impression so i think you did the right thing
0: it was fun i love doing it <laughs> yeah. you and your husband should come to boise sometime there's tons of there's tons of great karaoke here
1: that would be that would be really fun yeah i, I would
0: um... love to see that sometime jared <laughs> <laughs> do you uh are there good karaoke spots in ben
1: uh not that i'm aware of um it's mostly just at other people's houses and uh, like uh, my mom's family so my mom's family lives in california so whenever i visit they like everybody has a karaoke machine so it's just like a family thing you just put it on and in the background somebody's singing something it's just it's part of my it's it's in my blood to just belt out songs
0: it is a fil- it's a very filipino thing actually thinking about it <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> it's a yeah. korean
0: thing too i'm adopted but it's still it's the one thing i inherited that's in my blood
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right all right <laughs>
0: So when the boy with the bookstore comes out in September, you can do a tour here through Boise. You can do some karaoke. We can do a live podcast. It'll be it'll be it'll be awesome.
1: That would be great. If um the next time I'm in Boise, I'm gonna look you up probably.
0: Have you ever been to Boise?
1: <laughs> I have. I have okay, been I a, like, a couple of times. Yeah. yeah.
0: Most mostly like next time I'm in Boise, I'll never be to Boise. It's <laughs>
1: No, I love, boy. I mean, I haven't, you know, spent a ton of time there. I've driven through and had like day trips there, but it's mm-hmm. I'd love the vibe. Like there's a lot of really cute coffee shops oh, yeah, little areas mm-hmm. and you know, like it's it's a very cool cool city that I think a lot of people just don't think to visit. You know?
0: Right. Mhm. Any other questions?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, I have one more. <laughs> okay. Is that okay? Yes. Can I ask? yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if you could teleport to any place in the world right this moment, like snap your fingers and you'd be there where would you go
0: and is it this like this time period or any time period or right?
1: um any time period wherever you it can be now it can be before it can be in the future whatever
0: you should have said now because now this just made it even <laughs> the moon landing 1969
1: oh that's a good one
0: see if it actually happened see it actually if it actually happened <laughs> so many people say it was faked
1: Right. But then you also like, like you said before, like there are people who are eating like Tide Pods too. So, you know, same, same breed of human being, you know, you know, <laughs> e-
0: either that or, or, um, or, uh, Garth Brooks, Central Park, whatever year that was 97 or 98. That oh. was like one of the biggest,
1: <clears throat> yeah, that huge concert, mm-hmm. right. But, yep. Yeah.
0: Or the Beatles. I know you said one, but I mean now I'm just thinking like seeing the Beatles in the '60s would have been would have been amazing.
1: That would have been epic, and you could like, I I, I mean, I just I wonder if the people who saw that even knew then like how iconic and historic.
0: It's going to be like everybody with One Direction ten years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and BTS now or whatever. Yeah, I saw
0: Harry Styles before he had all those tattoos. (laughs) Yes. Now, do you like that. Oh, go ahead? Oh,
1: no, that, I was just gonna say that's all my questions that I could think of.
0: Do you ever see something? Because, you know, obviously, it's stuff like Harry Styles is is one of the <laughs> biggest names in pop culture. Do you ever see yourself seeing like a celebrity like that and starting to think of maybe a character for a novel that's kind of like a Harry Styles esque or an Ed Sheeran or, or, uh, or a Kardashian? And they're like, hmm, there's something there that I could write in the romance world.
1: Um, that's a great question. So I, I do do that, but I don't do that with celebrities. I do it with people I've met in my real life. Oh, Um, but I, but, but I change it so that they're not identifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way to get out like, like frustration, like in faker, there are a lot of side characters, like the employees at the at the tool place that are, some are great, but some suck. And those are all based on people that I've actually worked with. <laughs>
0: So my last question before I have you kind of tell everybody where they can find you, what are you reading now? Is there any novel you're reading now or nonfiction that you're absolutely loving?
1: Oh gosh. I feel like I'm always, (coughs) excuse me, I'm always reading something and what I'm reading now is um, an advanced copy of a book that will be out in September. It's called a taste of bourbon by Yafa Santos. And it's, um, it's a romance. But it has kind of a folklore twist to it, um, which is something new. I don't normally read. Um, I, I normally just read like straight contemporary romance or like rom com. So I don't really read stuff that has like a some sort of like supernatural t- twist to it. But that's what I'm finishing up now, and I'm it's really fun. I really like that.
0: Follow up question: So if you read a lot of rom coms, do you see yourself either? maybe subconsciously unsubconsciously blending what you're reading into your next novel do you have to separate yourself is it hard to not like take what you're reading because a lot of comics will will see comedy and not even realize they might be doing something similar to another another comedian's work
1: yeah i mean that's always a concern because you don't ever want to like plagiarize somebody obviously you don't ever want to steal somebody's work and pass it off as yours but it's i i definitely like when i'm reading i'll Oftentimes I'll be like, oh wow, that is such a cool scene, or that is such a cool like twist on this trope that I've seen before. I wonder what like how I would do it if if I could change this, this, and this. So so if I am inspired by something that I am reading, it changes form so extensively that you wouldn't, at least in my opinion, you wouldn't be able to be like, oh, "Oh, she took that from this book that came out or whatever. Like it's always I I I just feel like that's like kind of the nature of romance writing because everything has been done already. Like right. all the tropes have been have been told in every book and every movie, um, so nothing is original. It's just your your twist on on whatever trope you're doing. So that's kind of the nature of storytelling in this genre, anyway. So it's it's kind of just second nature to, for me to be reading something and like, oh, that would be fun if I did it this way or this way or this way. But you, but it's different because it's your own take.
0: Until you until you write Scarface, the rom com, <laughs> say hello to my little friend. You can oh make my it, gosh, yeah. You can make that as, as, as steamy as you want.
1: <laughs> right. That's a billion dollar idea right there.
0: <laughs> when they did Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, you can do Scarface the rom-com.
1: Exactly. Just,
0: exactly. just put me in the thank you notes when you do <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> right.
1: All
0: right, so Sarah, tell everybody where they can find you um, on social media and uh, anything else you want to plug on, on our way out.
1: Yeah, so you can find me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I am at author Sarah S. And I also have an author website if you want to see all of the books that I've put out. It's uh, sarasmithbooks.com
0: Perfect. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll see you next time on Hey, What's Up, the podcast.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.